0: Oh, your favorite part of the show today? Um, all of the parts that yeah. I spoke. Yeah, yours, you didn't I, didn't, really, I didn't like your parts. Were your parts, you were do we really have to keep, very...
1: can we edit out
0: Glenn's parts of the show today? You know the favorite part of, part of the podcast for me? What? This part. See, and then we started, and then people would be like, really oh my gosh, he loved the whole podcast. Oh, yeah. Have you not started the, de- start the podcast?
2: listening to the best of the Glenn Beck
0: program. Tonight at nine o'clock, I'm going to show you the three biggest lies about Ukraine. We begin talking about the impeachment. So we'll give you the latest lay of the land on the impeachment and what that's all about, which really is all about Ukraine. When you understand what is happening, I I believe now I cannot prove this at this time, but I believe uh, it is probably there. It is likely uh, or at least very feasible that this is what's happening. This this is a payoff to Zelensky and all of the other cronies. Keep your mouth shut. We'll support you. Why else would you send all this money over and not a single accountant to the most corrupt country in the world, I'm going to show you the dirty laundry the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about—the corruption that goes straight to the top to their hero, President Zelensky. Don't miss this special tonight at 9 p.m. Blaze TV, and at 9:30 on your YouTube channel. It's uh, YouTube.com/slash Glenn Beck. It's debunked the three biggest lies about Ukraine. I have been um, I have been working on myself uh, lately to become a better man uh, than I have been, and being able to figure out we we have got to come together, and I don't know how to do it with people who, you know, it's easier to come together. When you agree on certain principles. And I'm wondering if we agree on certain principles anymore, because we can argue about anything unless one side is trying to destroy you or others and go against everything you stand for. I can't sit down at a negotiating table with Vladimir Putin and say, hey, let's just all get along. I I, I don't know how to do that. Unless I just say, you know, uh, we'll all get along. You stay on your side. We'll stay on our side. Okay. But I I can't do business. I don't know how to negotiate with somebody who wants to burn our cities down to the ground. I don't know how to negotiate with somebody who wants to thwart the Constitution. I I don't know how to have that conversation. But we've got to learn. I've been rereading... um, Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people. There's a lot in that book, but I, as I've been listening to it, it was written in 1955 and then updated. But as I'm listening to that book, I'm like, I I don't know if those people exist anymore. You know, where you can be friendly and, and be honest and really pay attention to them. And, you know, when you have a problem, you go to them and you you are a good, decent person and you appeal to their higher angels. I don't know. I mean, I, I meet them all the time. But if you listen to the press, they don't exist. And I, I don't know if that's true. I don't know what is true. Yesterday was nine twelve, And what was it? 13 years ago, we started something called the 912 Project. And uh, it is something that made Rupert Murdoch very, very nervous because he thought I was going to use this to control the world. And I'm like, he's like, what are you doing? I'll organize all these people. I'm like, nothing. I'm actually not organizing it. They're, they're organizing all these things. Well, what are you going to do with all that? Um, nothing. I'm um, just trying to make the place a better place. And here's an idea. But I was going over the nine principles and the 12 values. And they're still rock solid, I think. The principles. Do you believe America is good? Now, I think now I have to separate my, my government from her people. But I do believe America is good. I believe in God, and I believe he's the center of my life, and he's, he's what's given us all of this opportunity. I still believe, third one, I must always try to be a more honest man than I was yesterday. I'm still working on that one. Four, the family is sacred. My spouse and I are the ultimate authority, not the government. Think of that. That was written 13 years ago. The family is sacred. My spouse and I are the ultimate authority, not the government. Five. Still, we were just talking about this. If you break the law, you must pay the penalty. Justice is blind and no one is above it. Six. I have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but there is no guarantee of equal results. Seven. I work hard for what I have and I'll share it with who I want to. Government cannot force me to be charitable. Eight, it's not unAmerican american for me to disagree with authority or share my personal opinion. Oh, it is now. Nine, the government works for me. I don't answer to them. They answer to me. If we can just believe these things, can we still come together on those things? Can you get your neighbor to agree to those things? Can you bring the Bill of Rights over to your neighbor? And oh not their first time, but just you know, after you've, you know, become friends or whatever, can you bring the Bill of Rights to them and say, hey, I'm just trying to think I'm because everything is changing so fast? Can we talk through these? Cause I, I is there a right to press? Is there something that the government should be able to stop? Just have these conversations openly. Don't teach, listen. The values, honesty. We have a real problem with that. Reverence. Is there anything? I mean, I saw uh, what's his name Fetterman come out yesterday from the Capitol in shorts and like a jogging shirt, and I thought, good man, do you have any reverence for anything? Anything? Third, hope. Boy. America's running low on this. And we lose everything if we lose hope. And that's one of the things they're trying to get you to lose. There's no way out, no way out, no way out. There is no hope. There is. The fourth one is thrift, meaning that, you know, we should be thrifty and our government, and everything else. But there was something that was missing on this list that I, I, I'd like to replace because I think it's much more important, and that is grace. Nobody understands grace anymore. And you'll have the conversation, Christians have always had this conversation, you can't earn grace. You can't do anything to earn the forgiveness you're so freely given, yada, yada. And I agree with that. There's no way to repay that. However, that's the grace given to us. Here's where I'm struggling right now. I so desperately want to give grace to everyone else, especially those who are Um, inflicting pain and uh, all kinds of unconstitutional rules on everybody else. I want to give them grace. That doesn't mean I excuse. It doesn't mean I don't stand up. It just means they don't have to earn that. Can I at least give them the benefit of the doubt? And we try on this program all the time. I think we give people more benefit of the doubt than any other political show uh, on radio or television or newspaper or online. But you can't earn grace. Why do we not accept people? For where they are, especially when they begin to turn. Why do we have to say, see, I told you, see, that's not grace. Grace is given freely to everybody equally and forget about the past. Let's move on from here. Humility is our biggest problem. We're so arrogant. We think this is going to be like this forever. It's never been like this. Charity. You know, I haven't seen a stat that we are the most charitable people in the world. I haven't seen that stat. I don't know why I haven't seen it. Can you look that up, see if anybody has done that stat? It used to come out all the time. Americans are the most charitable in the world. Are we still? I think we are, but are we still? The seventh value is sincerity. You can't have a conversation with anybody unless you're sincere. Unless you're sincerely interested in them. Unless you're sincerely, you can't change anyone's mind unless sincerity is there. That I truly want to understand how you got there. So I'm, I'm really into this right now, just this one. I really, and maybe we can do this tomorrow, just clear out everything else. And I just want to talk to people who disagree with me on things, and I truly want to understand how you got there. I don't know, maybe you changed my mind. I don't think so, but maybe. Moderation. Boy, we are not moderate in anything anymore, are we? We're not moderate in our lifestyle. I was listening to some uh, music from the 80s, and remember, you know, this is when Al and Tipper Gore came out and said, we've got we to gotta put a, a rating on all of these albums that are coming out. They are so, so sexualized. And this guy is riding with me and he's like, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, you guys had such great music. And I'm like, right, I know. But then we started talking about it. I said, you know, just the lyrics alone, they're not all about, you know, Something happening in your butt. <laughs> All songs today are about that. Uh, pretty it's the much. Only, the only thing that can. It, it is can pretty be much about. Mm-hmm. something about your butt, what it's doing, what's being done to it. Right. Something. Something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ninth is hard work. Boy, think of that. Did we not lose that much of our country? Just lost that seemingly overnight. Courage its the only one I think on the on the rise. I'm seeing courage on the rise every day in some places. Uh, I mean, overall, though, would you say that? It's the only one that I mm. see growing. Personal responsibility. And along with humility and hope, the one we don't. Make it, if we don't have, is gratitude. Almost every single problem that we have right now is because we are so ungrateful. I didn't get it. I wanted it right now. I, I can't have what they have. You know, my life sucks because. No, it's really not. Open your eyes. See the the miracles, man-made miracles that you experience every day. The phone, the phone, the iPhone is it's changed your life. May have changed it for the worse, may have changed it for the better. If it changed it for the worse, then change that. It gives you the ability to change that. If we can't be grateful for Even our crosses. We're missing out. We're missing out. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Real true defenders of our Constitution and the rule of law are becoming more and more bold in what they will say. Um, because they know that it is a rigged game, and I'm guessing have tried to fix it for a very long time and have no other options other than to just spill the beans clearly. Mike Lee is a good friend of mine. He's also um, the uh, senator from the state of Utah, uh, and he has been speaking out about the corruption in Washington and especially the spending for years Um, He just did a, a tweet thread here that is remarkable. Let me just give you a couple of them. The formula has been quite consistent for years. A tiny group of leaders, which I refer to as the law firm of Schumer, McConnell, McCarthy and Jeffries, privately negotiates a draft spending bill. Some would say with more input from lobbyists than most members of Congress. Uh, That bill is kept as if it were highly classified secret until days, sometimes hours before a spending deadline. That is the moment the government will run out of money, resulting in a shutdown unless Congress passes another spending bill. It's not unusual for some powerful lobbyists to know more about what is in the bill prior to its release than most members of Congress. As soon as it's been released, allowing most members of Congress to see it for the first time, lawmakers in both chambers are told you've got to pass this right now without any changes in order to avoid a shutdown. Lawmakers who want time to read and amend the bill and remove excessive and inappropriate items in the bill or add new items wrongly omitted from it are told that would be nice, but there just isn't any time for that. Lawmakers are told, essentially, you've got two options here. You can vote for the bill, or you can vote against it. Yes or no? No amendments. Your choice. But know this, if you oppose this bill, you're going to risk causing a shutdown, and you'll be blamed if that happens. Thus, many members quickly acquiesce to these intimidation tactics, uttering as if reciting a mantra, rehearsed phrases like, this bill isn't perfect, and the process was totally unfair, but... I voted for it anyway because I care about the troops and I hate shutdowns. What a hero. Never mind that the bill spends too much money. Never mind it funds countless things like voting yes, that, um, countless things those voting yes publicly oppose. Never mind that for all, uh, uh, never mind that for all, most of Congress knows the bill might fund giant monuments to Benedict Arnold, King George III, and Millie Vanilli. They're in. Nobody wants a shutdown. Literally, no one. And it's bad for the country, and Mike Lee is here to tell us what to do about it. Hello, Mike.
1: It's good to be with you. And that, that was the most extensive quote t- tweeting at base Mike Lee has ever received. So <laughs> thank you for that.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome.
1: Well, you are... Um,
0: I mean, you're, you're not one to... Um, name names usually. You you you're much more um I don't know, kind than naming names and pointing fingers and you like to try to get along with everybody as much as you can while still standing for principles. This you are you are exposing the whole game and naming names here. Why?
1: I'm doing it because it's destroying our country and I've done everything I can internally. Normally the way I like to solve problems in any organization, including the United States Senate, to work internally to persuade people. Done this for years. And the process has continued the same. And so it's, it's important to make sure that people understand this and to make sure that the American people demand something better, something different from those they elect to make their laws and to spend their tax dollars. This is unacceptable. And it is, make no mistake, this is what has landed us to the point where we're $33 trillion in debt. This doesn't happen by accident. It happens through this magic formula, which needs to end. But here's the thing, Glenn. Right, well, what I point out in this thread is that this will continue because it works for those who engage in it. It especially works uh, for the, uh, uh, the law firm, as I call it. Uh, and the apparatus of appropriators surrounding the law firm. It works for them. They grow more powerful every time they do this. But that power is accrued at the expense of the American people, especially the hardworking, poor, middle-class Americans everywhere whose tax dollars are spent recklessly and whose own dollars spend uh, have less buying power every single year because of that excessive spending. It will continue until people no longer vote for crap like this. And so that's, that's why it's so important to talk about it because what? people need to reach out to their senators and their congressmen and say, do not ever, ever vote for a spending bill that you haven't read, haven't had the opportunity to understand, have the opportunity to debate. Uh, under the light of day and amend to improve the bill. You know, it's, do it.
0: it's really funny because that's what uh, Barack Obama ran under. He said, you're going to be able to read the bill. You're going to be able to know what's in it. Transparency, transparency, transparency. And he's the guy who started uh, this kind of uh, spending and rushing these, these bills through um, without any debate, without any amendments, um, and just one lump sum. Didn't the House... I thought the House was supposed to pass like 12 different budgets or 12 different budgets for, you know, defense and one for homeland security, et cetera, et cetera. Did they do any of that?
1: Yeah, so they, they were supposed to do that. They promised to do that. They should have done that. And so far, they have passed only one. Uh, the one that they've passed is called the Milcon VA bill. It deals with uh, uh, veterans issues and military construction. So what I'm advocating for is that since the House has passed that, that's the one that we should take up in the Senate. We should take that up and debate it and discuss it over here. And if the uh, House passes more, we take those up and debate, discuss and uh, pass whatever we can pass out of those. We should do that as the House passes this. If they need more time, we can perhaps give them some extensions of a few days or a few weeks at a time while they complete their work we should never ever return to this practice that I've seen played out over the last decade or so. Uh, this is unacceptable.
0: So this is why we have the huge deficit. This is why spending is out of control. This is why the government has money to do all kinds of really bad things because nobody is, it's just all lump sum stuff. Um, and it keeps growing, uh, every time we pass a bill every year, the same thing. So, Um, What can be done here, Mike? First of all, is there something that the House and the Senate can do to make sure that I don't care if you close down the government, uh, you know, just make sure that people get the money, you know, the uh, Social Security and and our, our pay is going to our soldiers, et cetera, et cetera. But the rest of government, I don't really give a flying crap if you close it or not. I prefer you do. Is there anything that we can do for essential spending,
1: pay our bills? Yes, Uh, there are things that we can do on that front. And there's there are a number of legislative proposals that I've advocated for for years to deal with this kind of situation. One that I really like is a bill called the End of Government Shutdowns Act. Uh, My friend and colleague, Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin, has been pushing this for a long time. And I stand with him in that. It would do essentially as you described, explaining that if we reach the end of a spending period and there isn't a a new spending bill passed, that the bare essentials that you described would continue to be funded, but that you'd start to see uh, some cuts, a gradual ratcheting down of government spending over time, such that the default is not a full shutdown, but the default is you have gradual cuts that are imposed unless or until Congress can come up with other spending. You see, it's these scare tactics. It's the combination of the spending cliff, the expiration of the spending deadline, coupled with the fear of being blamed for a shutdown that causes people to be willing to vote for things they would never otherwise vote for. And so uh, we should pass reforms like that, that would help a lot. But look, I mean, just look at what has happened over the last decade. We, we have increased our national debt substantially uh, 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 over, over the last, uh, uh, by, uh, by $12 trillion just over the, the last few years. And th- this is crippling the American people. They, the economic numbers out today reflect that. The inflation numbers that come out on a regular basis show what happens when we have no, uh, no break on the spending, when we have no limit to what we spend because we just print more money. Milton Friedman used to describe this as the true rate of taxation, because that's the true cost of government. When you spend too much, it's just a backdoor invisible tax.
0: Mike, maybe I'm too cynical here, but uh, I worry that McCarthy uh, started this impeachment inquiry um, as as a, I don't know, carrot and a stick for those who are standing, you know, for the budget, because what he's going to say is, well, we're going to have shut down government, which will mean we're going to shut down this inquiry. Am I being too p- pessimistic?
1: Yeah Cynical. So I, I, I do worry about that, too. The reason I worry about that is that starting about two weeks ago, I started seeing members of uh, Republican members of Congress going on TV, saying things that sounded kind of like that, saying if we. If we have a shutdown, it could shut down investigations into the Bidens and so on and so forth. Now, look, again, be clear. No one, literally no one wants a shutdown. We should do everything we can to avoid a shutdown. That is not the objective, and it's something that we try to avoid. But to use that as a scare tactic to say that we absolutely positively must pass uh, any spending bill that the Democrats demand, that's like walking into a car dealership. And saying I'm going to buy this car, darn it! I don't care how much you charge me; I will not leave without buying this car. That's how you get taken to the cleaners. That's how you uh, end up walking away with like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar Toyota Tercel. Uh, is when you do stuff like that, and that's the way we do it here, especially as Republicans. So we we have no business saying that, and we can walk and chew gum at the same time. There's nothing that would stop Congress from continuing its inquiry into the biden's right if if the government uh, tragically were to shut down and so uh, look if we can get to a good deal we should pass that deal and avoid a shutdown but there is absolutely no reason to use that as uh some kind of an excuse uh to not do our homework here because it simply isn't true
0: Okay, so Mike, you said, tell your elected lawmakers in Washington to oppose any spending bill that they have not the opportunity to read, comprehend, debate, and amend. Um, Do you guys even listen to the phone calls that come in anymore? Does that do anything?
1: Well, I do. I don't don't know. I don't know who else does what, but I, I regularly check in with my staff to find out what people are saying. And I know I'm not alone in that. Uh, And not in the House, not of the Senate, not among Republicans or Democrats.
0: If we call and and say, do not pass a continuation bill, do not pass any of these bills unless you've read it uh, and you've discussed it and you've not done this in a hurried way. We don't want any of this. We want you guys to do what you're supposed to do and actually write a spending bill or several of them and pass that. And we don't yes, care. Right. We're, we're, we'll stand behind you if, if the, the as you call them, the law firm shuts down the government. We will stand with you, right?
1: Exactly, and that's and that's a great way of putting it. I would add to that, at least in the Senate. Look, each house is a little bit different, but in the Senate, there's no excuse ever for people voting for a bill. Not only if they haven't read and had the opportunity to debate in public, but also uh, each member needs to have had an opportunity to offer amendments and to vote on amendments to improve the bill. And there's no reason why they can't do that in the House, too, uh, because that's the thing. Uh, part of what's so pernicious about this going on is they write this thing in secret. Well, with the help of lobbyists, to be sure, but uh, in secret. It's guarded as a state secret within Congress. And then they roll it out as a, in this hermetically sealed case and mm. say, you can't touch it. You can't penetrate. it, You can't change anything about it. You can't amend it or improve it. You can't cut anything or add anything. It's done. That's wrong. And if they do that to us, we should vote no. Now, keep in mind, this is not too much to ask, nor is this even asking for a specific budget amount. Hopefully, we will get to the point where we won't spend more than we have. But this is the best first step toward getting to that point. We will never get to the point where we stop spending too much unless or until members vote no without the adequate opportunity to read, understand, debate, and amend each bill. Mike, thank you. Appreciate
0: it. Thank you, Senator Mike Lee on the budget. And this is going to be the battle for the next uh, few weeks. And of course, you're an extremist. If you think that we should actually, you know, what they're doing is the same thing. There's got a group of five people who are the elites and they're telling everybody else what they have to do. Take it or leave it. You're an extremist. If you don't, you're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. For thought in America. I would have to do shows and I have a feeling I have to do many, 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 many shows on the rule of law. Uh, I thought we all got it, but apparently not, because now people are being indicted. People are being prosecuted. People are going to jail for things that they shouldn't be necessarily going to jail while others are doing far worse. And they're just walking away. I want all the bad guys who break the law to go to jail equally equal and blind justice. I will tell you right now, I am not a fan of impeachment. I am a fan of this impeachment with Joe Biden. I was not a fan of Donald Trump's impeachment. Why? Because they didn't have anything. on. Remember, they kept saying, well, here you wait until you hear. Wait until you see the proof. Okay. Now, let me be consistent. I am also against the impeachment that the Republicans are doing in Texas. They're taking on Ken Paxton. And if Ken Paxton did something illegal, then take him out. But this is not it. They're impeaching him with no evidence. And this, I believe, coming from the Bush people, but I could be wrong. Uh, somebody who's really been following this closely is Sarah Gonzalez. And she is the host of News and Why It Matters here on Blaze TV every day.
2: Hello. How Hello. are you? Good to Hi, see you. I'm good.
0: So. Um, I was shocked when I started seeing the actual trial Mm -hmm. uh, in the Senate, Mm -hmm. shocked at the fact that this seems like a a Stalin show trial.
2: Yeah. And it was done very quickly, rushed through in a holiday weekend. And in fact, um, I want to borrow a term that I heard used in this trial, which is there are no coincidences in Austin. And there are a lot of things that make you go, hmm, Mm -hmm. during this whole entire process. For starters, uh, there was no Republican in the Texas House who called for Ken Paxton to be impeached until right after Ken Paxton called on Dade Phelan, Speaker of the House Dade Phelan, to resign after the video, you recall the video that Mm -hmm. surfaced of him allegedly seemingly being severely intoxicated on the House floor no That's republican was. no republican that. called for ken paxton's impeachment until ken paxton called out dade phelan mm-hmm. now Remember, this is the same uh, Speaker of the House Republican, I use the the air quotes, Republican Speaker of the House, who uh, assigns Democrats to committee heads, committee Mm -hmm. chairs of very powerful committees, yet refuses to act on school choice, refuses to act on banning Chinese ownership of Texas land, uh, refusal to act on border security. So doesn't really sound like a conservative fighter to me.
0: No, does not at all.
2: So let me give you some more very curious timing. Uh, Let's go back to where we were at the time that these accusations allegedly occurred. So they're in 2020, right? And the so-called whistleblowers are still employed at the OAG, but they had retained an an attorney by the name of Johnny Sutton. Mm -hmm. You may recall Johnny Sutton. He has a uh, a very long and sordid history of, I would say, being very corrupt, siding uh, with illegal aliens versus Border Patrol agents. But he did work in multiple Bush administrations, hmm. very, very closely connected to the Bush family. Now-
0: Okay, well, that's no big
2: deal. No, of course not. Sure. So again, we're back in 2020, mm-hmm. and these uh, OAG whistle whistleblowers are forwarding information to their attorney, Johnny Sutton. And curiously, the same day that they go to the FBI with these accusations, George P. Bush, who had let his law license expire for 10 years renewed his law license and now of course we know the rest of the story which is months later he went on to announce that he would be running for attorney general of the state of texas now
0: i find this outrageous that you would infer Mm -hmm. that maybe because i mean they paid sutton right i mean he's working for hmm?
2: oh well it's funny that you that you mentioned that because there is a clip that i would like to play for you uh, of an exchange between the defense and just one of the whistleblowers explaining uh, some of that payment plan or lack thereof.
0: From your office email, you forwarded grand jury subpoenas that were supposed to be secret to your counsel, Johnny Sutton, correct?
1: That's partially correct, yes.
0: And to be clear, you've never paid Johnny Sutton a dime, have you? Not yet. You have some type of pro bono deal with him?
1: No. Who's paying for him? We haven't. Agreed on a fee arrangement, yes. <laughs> We've agreed to discuss that in the future. Wait.
0: Let's let that sink in for a second. <sighs> this man who's a former assistant U.S. attorney, he's with the Ashcroft Law Firm, I believe. It's in multiple
1: states. He's represented you for three years and you haven't agreed on a fee arrangement yet? I want to make sure I understand. That's right. I haven't paid him anything? Haven't paid him anything. He's never sent you a bill? No, sir. Sounds like a great guy.
0: Uh, can I tell you, um, even, I mean, I am what would be classified as an elite. <laughs> <clears throat> I had to hire an attorney, a very expensive attorney recently, and it was something I had to do. But you know what my second question or my first question after, hey, would you represent this case? You know what my first question mm-hmm. was after that one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how much do you charge? Yeah. You you don't, three years, that's insanity.
2: Well, and what attorney do you know who would be happy to just do all of this hard work on a case for three whole years without some form of payment being promised or even discussed? What attorney do you know, let alone one of the top, uh, you know, most expensive attorneys in the state of Texas?
0: So how is this going to end?
2: Well, Glenn, um, I don't have, obviously, my faith in the House, in the Texas House, is lost, but I do have faith in the Senate Um, We only need 10 to and seven have
0: already said
2: there. Yeah, there were. Yeah, there were six, I believe, who um, who voted uh, in favor of dismissing certain charges. And um, there were there was eight at one point. So I don't think it's too much to to expect that once the senators actually saw the case, they'd see no evidence.
0: No, like literally. Right. Like, you know, that's what they're saying about the case with Joe Biden. Well, they don't have any evidence. I mean, literally no evidence, mm-hmm. none. And I mean, do they even suggest what the crime was? No,
2: no. I mean, it's it's a bunch of accusations that basically at the end of the day, the evidence that they show is this. Ken Paxton was the boss of this office, asked his subordinates to investigate certain things that he found to be Wrong that the FBI was doing. Right, those subordinates didn't do it.
0: Right, and they are they are saying as if it's so bizarre. uh, I can't believe Mm -hmm. that he believed that the FBI might be doing something wrong. That they somehow or another, he believes Mm -hmm. that they're not trustworthy. Right
2: damn right yes yes and and that tells you really to me that tells you all you need to know about these whistleblowers Uh, they have do they have strong credentials sure but at the end of the day they are bureaucrats who have been in the bureaucracy for so long they refuse to question the integrity of an agency that we have seen weaponized against half the country and they think it's insane to suggest that the fbi could possibly be corrupt It's almost as if they've been asleep for the last four years and haven't paid attention to, oh, I don't know, Operation Crossfire Hurricane.
0: Yeah, I don't think they have. Um, So Dave Phelan, he is the speaker of the Texas House. This guy should be uh, impeached himself for this because you don't give somebody this kind of power uh, and have them abuse it in this way without some sort of some some sort of, you know, uh, penalty. And it should be, he's either removed or the people remove him. This is the House, so it's every two years, right? Mm, I believe so. So they'll, they're all coming up for election. Andrew Murr, he's the House manager. Is he kind of the leader of...
2: He is, he is. And he has a mustache that very much annoys me.
0: Okay, well, not for the mustache reason, uh, but he should be uh, replaced. Jeff Leach is also one of the managers. Um, we have, uh, Briscoe Kane is another one. And Charlie, what's Charlie's last name? Charlie Guerin. Yeah. Um, these guys, they're going to be up for reelection in very, very red parts of Texas. There is no reason John Cornyn should go back to the Senate in a very red area of Texas. There's no reason Mm -hmm. that these guys, and and I'm telling you, I mean, you have much more on this than I do. I just have this feeling. I was reading an article earlier this week and I'm reading about it and I'm like, this is Bush. And there wasn't anything in the article that said that it just like felt it. Mm -hmm. This is Bush. These are the same guys like McConnell and they got to go. Got to go.
2: Could I also add to that, Glenn? It, it, I can't stress how important this is to the country because if they are successful at doing this, oh my God! If they are successful, this will become the blueprint for the entire country, so that the globalists and the establishment can remove duly elected officials that we, the people, put into office because we wanted them to fight for us, and this will be the blueprint to remove them anyway.
0: Yeah, that's what they're doing to the House Caucus right now, the Freedom Caucus. They're mm-hmm. saying they're extremists, they're terrorists. The this line of Republicans have always hated the Tea Party and their values. Yeah. That's that's just the truth. They are progressives. They believe they know better than you. And if this kind of stuff can go on, you know, you think you're just dealing it with it with with Donald Trump, you're not. You're dealing with it with uh, January 6th. You're dealing with it with Donald Trump. You're dealing with it here. Uh, if we don't teach the lesson, don't you dare do this. If somebody breaks the law and you have evidence, bring it. But not this, not this. Yeah. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much. I'd urge everyone in Texas, call your senators Uh, tweet them email them let them know that this cannot stand
0: you know it's weird i called mine uh, what yesterday was it yeah yeah yeah, or yesterday or the day before and uh uh, and this has never happened to me but uh i'm like uh can i can i can i talk to the senator no no he's really busy okay can i leave a message sure left a message i have not heard back from that's a I mean, you know that's great. I mean, you know he's probably really busy, but I've never experienced that mm-hmm. as one of the biggest talk show hosts in America. I've never, I've never experienced that, so it was a new thing for me, hmm. which I, uh, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, so, Sarah, thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Blaze TV host of the news and why it matters every day on Blaze TV. <laughs>